Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm fantastic. This is part two. Dun, dun, dun. Part two of our most Googled, most notorious, most heinous crimes in all 50 states. I think you did great in the first 25. I was a little disappointed. You were disappointed? I was ridiculously impressed with your <laughs> knowledge of serial killers. You scare me sometimes. I mean, rightfully so. <laughs> I don't know, you do. Anybody that ever decides that they want to, like, kidnap me or anything, like, I I know all the things. You know all the things. You know them. You so tr- try someone else. Try someone <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. This is Tracy. This is Samantha. This is the suspended sentence. In episode one, we did Alabama through Missouri. Mm-hmm. In this episode, we're going to do Montana through Wyoming. Sister sister states were right next to Montana. And you know, when I was looking at Montana, I was like, what has happened in Montana? I mean, other than, I mean, there's a lot of girls that go missing in Montana. Yeah, there's a lot of the reservation. Yeah. There's a lot of that kind of stuff, but I didn't know that there were serial killers. I didn't know, like what comes to mind when you think of Montana? Mm, the Unabomber. Oh, that, that would have been a good one. The Unabomber. Cause he got away with that for like what? 20 years for a long time yeah so montana's is actually serial killer david merhoffer Hmm, interesting do you know that case Mm -mm. so he was a serial killer who confessed to killing four murders to oh my gosh he confessed to four murders three of them being children in rural montana yuck yeah but he would the first girl that went um, that went missing was a seven-year-old, Susan Jagger, and he. The girl had been abducted from a tent in the middle of the night, a tent, while she's camping with yeah. her family. It's like my biggest fear ever. Yeah, I don't camp, so I don't have to worry about. Oh, that. it's so scary. Um, but she went missing during that, which is when a case, and he started getting the attention of of law enforcement. Um, little fun fact here, you know, criminal profiling, that technique was developed and he was actually the first case that they used this technique on. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So 1974 is when that, when that came to be. Anyway, by the time they got him into custody, he, he committed suicide in his jail cell. He never saw his day in court and the cases are, it's unclear. Nebraska. Ooh, okay. Charles Starkweather? Yeah. But you could also tie that to Wyoming. You can tie that to Wyoming also. it depends on who you want to pick, which state you want to pick that for. Right, right. And he's actually not known as a serial killer, but he's, and we talked about this in the episode that we did, the mini episode that we did with the ongoing case in In Florida. Florida. He's actually a spree killer, not a serial killer. Mm Mm-hmm. Which, again, is pretty interesting. But he's a spree killer who murdered 11 people, in, like you said, in Nebraska and Wyoming between 1957 and 1958. So two whole years. Yeah. Um, and I'm not, I'm not really sure why he's, he's classified it as a spree killer. spread out. Because there was a cooling off period between yeah. these murders. So I'm not sure why he's classified as a spree killer and not a, a serial killer. Because to me, he fits the bill more for a serial killer. Unless they're counting it as like his, a spree in Montana and a spree in Wyoming. 
two know. separate sprees, but but still, yeah. serial killers, more than three people with a cooling off period over, I mean, to me, he fits that more, but I don't know. He killed 10 of his victims between January 21st and January 29th of 1958, the day of his arrest. During his spree, he was accompanied by his 14-year-old girlfriend, Carl Ann Fugate. Both Stark and Fugate were convicted on charges for their parts in the homicides. Starkweather was sentenced to death and executed 17 months after the event. That doesn't happen anymore. Yeah. Fugate served 17 years in prison, gaining release in 1976. Starkweather's execution by electric chair in 1959 was the last execution in Nebraska until 1994. Wow. Fugate claims that she was held hostage by Starkweather, but he testified that she was an absolutely a willing accomplice. Um, they, the movie, have you seen the movie Natural Born Killers? Mm, I don't think so. That movie was made after them. Oh, okay. Based on that. Yeah. Nevada. I don't know. So. I mean, I feel like all kinds of weird, like, gang stuff goes on in Nevada and, like. Yeah. So, this would be the murder of Tupac Shakur. Oh, I knew that. Yeah. Goodness gracious. After attending a boxing match at the MGM Grand on September 7th, 1996, the year you were born, Tupac was gunned down while riding in a white Cadillac with Death Row Records CEO Suge Knight. He died of his injuries six days later. Mm -hmm. The murder remains unsolved. I mean, there's speculation as to who did it, but it's it's an unsolved crime. It's yeah. an unsolved murder. New Hampshire. Do you think it's happened in New Hampshire? What's that? Do you think it's happened in New Hampshire? <laughs> the Bear Brook murders. No, See, I'm not starting off very good. No, but these are <clears throat> these are good. New Hampshire's most notorious crime is unsolved, and it's a serial murder case of four female victims killed between 1977 and 1985. Ooh. The first two victims' remains, those of adult women and a young girl, were found in a 55-gallon metal drum by a hunter in November 1985. In May 2000, two more girls were discovered in a second metal drum, all believed to have died by blunt force trauma. Though it's not officially solved, they think that they know who did it, but he, and he was the father of one of the unidentified victims. Wow. But they don't, but they don't know. It's unsolved. Crazy. That is crazy. New Jersey. Ooh. The Lindbergh Baby Kidnapping and Murder. Oh, okay. I don't love the name of that. Yeah, me either. <laughs> Not a fun title. New Jersey's most notorious crime was a kidnapping of the 18-month-old son of Avatar Charles Lindbergh and his wife, Anne Marl Lindbergh, on the evening of March 1st, 1932. Charles Jr.'s body was found over two months later on May 2nd, less than five miles from their home, a medical examination determined that he died from a massive skull fracture, which possibly occurred when the boy was dropped as he was carried down a ladder from his second floor bedroom. Yeah, ransom money paid to the perpetrator led police to Bruno Humptman, whose trial was dubbed the trial of the century by newspapers. Though he received an offer to communicate, to commute his death sentence to life in prison in exchange for his confession, oh my gosh, confession, he went to the electric chair professing his innocence. So. Wild. Wild. 
New Mexico. I'm sure I, well, I feel like mine should be correct. The Toy Box Killer. The Toy Box Killer. Mm, the murder of Gurley Chu Hassenkopf. How is that the case? Because, oh my gosh. Ah. Makes me mad. The Toy Box Killer killed like 15 women. I, I feel like that's. Right. Gurley Chu was a Malaysian-born woman who disappeared on September 9th, 1999. The investigation into the murder of Hasenkoff revealed a conspiracy theory involving reptilian queens, UFOs, and reports of cannibalism. Do you know this case? Mm-hmm. Her husband, Diazine Hasenkoff, was born Armand Chavaz in Houston, Texas, in on March fifth, nineteen sixty-five, he falsely claimed to have a, to be a thoracic surgeon with degrees from the University of Tokyo and Cornell, but in reality, he was a con artist and complete fraud who had doctored his transcripts because he was actually expelled from medical school. Oh, nice. Following his expulsion from medical school, he changed his name to Diat. Di- Dizazine, whatever, Hasakoff, and married Gurley Chu. He continued to trick people into believing that he was a geneticist who claimed to have leukemia. He sold fake case cancer treatments to clients who would pay thousands of dollars for anti-aging injections. And in 1996, he fathered a son with a Japanese woman who lived in Canada. In 1999, while still married to his wife Gurley, he was engaged to three other women including Linda Henning, Linda Henning and Diane and her husband were both convicted of her mur- of her murder, but her body was never found. Oh man. <laughs> right. New York. Son of Sam. <clears throat> son of Sam. Yep. David Richard Berkowitz, also known as the son of Sam, or he was also known as the 44 caliber killer. He pled guilty to eight shootings that began in New York City on July 29, 1976. He grew up in New York City and served in the United States Army. Using a 44 special caliber bulldog revolver, he killed six people and wounded seven others by July 1977, terrorizing New York City. He eluded the biggest police manhunt in the city's history while leaving letters that marked the police and promising further crimes which were highly publicized by the press. He was arrested August 10th, 1977, and subsequently indicted for eight shootings. He confessed to all of them and initially claimed to have been obeying orders of a demon manifested in the form of a dog belonging to his neighbor, Sam. Mm -hmm. After being found mentally competent to stand trial, he pled guilty to second-degree murder and was sentenced to six consecutive life sentences in state prison with the possibility of parole after 25 years. He admitted that the dog and the devil story was a hoax in police investigations. And he also implied that many unsolved, he also implied that he was responsible for a lot of arsons around the city. Crazy. Yeah. Anyway, North Carolina. Uh, Henry, what is his last name? Wall? The Lawson Family Christian Christmas Day Massacre. Oh, I know about this one. Oh, yeah. 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 The Christmas ones always, there's like, 
if you Google enough in each state, there's some weird Christmas massacre yeah. in, like, every state. And this Ugh. one's pretty bad. Yeah, this one is pretty yeah. bad. It was 1929, days prior to Christmas, Lawson, age 43, took Fanny, his wife, who was 37, and their seven children, seven kids, (laughs) into town to buy new clothes and to have a family portrait taken. He had just gotten a new job. He just, like, he took them shopping before he did what he did. The family photo is really creepy. Yeah. On the afternoon of December 25th, Lawson first shot his first daughter, Carrie, and Maybelle as they were setting out to their uncle and aunt's house. He waited for them by the tobacco barn until they were in range, then shot them with a 12-gauge shotgun, then ensured that they were dead by bludgeoning them. He placed their bodies in in the tobacco farm. Afterwards, Lawson returned to the house and shot Fanny, who was sitting on the porch. As soon as the shot, the gun was fired, Marie, who was inside, screamed while the two small boys, James and Raymond, attempted to find a hiding place. Lawson shot Marie and then found and killed the two little boys. Lastly, he killed the baby, Mary Lou. It was thought that she was bludgeoned to death. After the murders, he went into the nearby woods and for several, several hours later, he shot himself. The only survivor was his eldest son, who was 19, whom he had sent on an errand just before he committed the crimes. He sent him to buy shotgun shells. Yeah. The bodies of the family members were found with their arms crossed and rocks behind their heads. So he posed them all. Mm -hmm. The gunshot signaling Lawson's own suicide was heard by many people who had already learned of, of the murders. Yes, there's a theory that maybe he went all mad because in the family portrait it looks like his oldest daughter how they're positioned it looks like his oldest daughter is his wife the wife is kind of off in the side and there was rumors going around that he had gotten her pregnant and she was about to tell ma oh and he like lost it that's theorized but she was found pregnant when really mm-hmm. and they said oh. it was daddy's disgusting north dakota Oh, I don't know. I hate these cases. The Wolf family murders. The Wolf. Do you know this one? No. You don't? Okay, so it's yet another family one. Is their last name Wolf or are they just like... No, yeah. Jacob okay. Wolf and his family. <laughs> I was like, or are they just like wanted to throw the word wolf in there? No. Uh, Jacob Wolf and his family, plus a son of a neighbor who did chores for the family, were found dead on their Turtle Lake farm in 1920. The youngest, an eight-month-old baby girl, was in her crib, alive, but the rest of the home's residents were found either shot to death or bludgeoned with a hatchet. It was later determined that their neighbor, Henry Lair, killed the family over a dispute over a cow. Oh. Yep. When he was When he was interviewed and asked, well, why did you, why did you kill everybody except the baby? You know what he said? Huh. I probably just didn't even go in that room and know that that baby was there or she would have been dead. Good Lord. Over a cow. I, I mean, I get it. I like my cows, but holy Enough crap. To massacre an entire family? No. <clears throat> Ohio. I don't even know where Ohio is. <laughs> the Ariel Castro kidnappings. I love it. I don't so like this game anymore. I, <laughs> it's not so much fun today. 
He kidnapped three women between 2002 and 2004. Michelle Knight, Amanda Berry, and Gina DeJesus, keeping them all in his Cleveland home until May 6, 2013, oh. when Michelle and her six-year-old daughter escaped and went to police. You were, she gave me a look like, you're going to know what I'm talking about, and I didn't know what she was talking about. Yep. He was sentenced to life in prison. Oklahoma. Girl Scouts. The Girl Scouts. Yep. We, we did cover that one. Yep. We did an entire episode on this, <clears throat> and it is Oklahoma's most disturbing crime ever, and it was, I mean, you can go back and listen to the, to the episode. It, the victims were between the ages of 8 and 10, and they were all raped and murdered. Their bodies were found on a trail leading to the camp's showers. Authorities arrested, escaped convict Gene Hart. And he was acquitted. Technically, blah, blah. yeah. Yeah. Oregon. Uh, the lust killer? Or foot fetish killer? Um, well, it's actually D.B. Cooper. Oh. You don't want to go with foot fetish? Nah. So he hijacked an airplane parachuted out of a plane with two hundred thousand dollars in ransom money somewhere between seattle and portland and was never seen again yeah it was a big heist yeah i forgot about that pretty pretty smart pennsylvania ah i am winning today well, we should have put money on this or something. No. I had Charles Cullen. Mm-mm. He was a nurse. Highest body count in the state's history with more than 30 confirmed and possibly hundreds more that he killed. He said and claimed that he was helping the end the suffering of terminally ill patients. Oh, yeah. But records show that the, some of the patients that he helped die... We're actually getting better. Yeah. Scary. Yeah, he's gotten his like license taken a whole bunch too. Yeah. He? Yeah. Rhode Island. <laughs> Craig Price, the Warwick slasher. Ooh, that sounds sketchy. Right. Between the ages of thirteen and fifteen. Were his victims? He killed four female victims. No, he was 13 to 15. Oh, not the victim. Okay. No, 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 no. That's terrifying. Due to his youth, he was tried as a minor, which would have made him eligible for release at the age of 21 with a sealed conviction. However, due to numerous assaults on other inmates, Price's sentence continues to lengthen, and he, he was scheduled to get out in 2020. But because his be- his behavior is so poor in prison, he actually got 21 more years. Oh, and I'd actually like to do a whole episode on this guy because there's a whole psychological reasoning behind what he's doing. Like, mm-hmm. he could be free, and he's choosing to stay in prison. Yeah. It's institutionalization, and I would love to do a whole episode on him and that theory. Yeah. Who is... What's the co-ed killer's real name? Um, real tall guy. He liked to talk. Crap, what is his name? He, anyways, he was the one that was picking up girls, killed his, ended up killing his mom. Oh, gosh. Oh, I, I don't know. You know who I'm talking about, though. Yeah. He, when he was a minor, killed his grandparents. But because he was a minor, he only, when he went to juvie and then got out when he was 18. Yeah. And then became the co-ed killer. 
and killed all of these people. <clears throat> so those are interesting when they're like youthful offenses that get out. And yeah, yeah. South Carolina. <clears throat> I don't know. Susan Smith. She's a child murderer who claimed a black man had hijacked her car at gunpoint and drove off with her two sons in the car in 1994. Later, she confessed to letting the car roll into the lake with her 14-month-old son, Alex, and three-year-old daughter, Michelle, inside. Mm -hmm. She will be eligible for parole in 2024. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. South Dakota. I don't know. Robert Leroy Anderson. Anderson was convicted of kidnapping and killing Larissa Dernmuskey of Sioux Falls in 1994 and Piper Strickle of Rural Canastota in 1996. A third potential victim, Amy Anderson, escaped before she could meet, before he could kill her. Mm-hmm. He was sentenced to death by lethal injection in 1999, but took his own life on death row in 2023. Oh. At 2003. Holy crap. Police believe that he was a serial killer and he would have taken more lives had they not gotten him. Wow. Tennessee. Tennessee. (laughs) Summer County Murders. So I would agree, but the most historic one and obviously the most Googled is going to be the assassination of Martin Luther King. Yeah. And rightfully so. That was, that man was phenomenal. And what he did for this world is... Yeah, if you ever have a chance and are in Memphis, the hotel where he was shot is a museum now. Oh. And it is a civil rights museum, as well as his room is the exact same as it was the day that he died. Oh, wow. And it is a powerful museum to go through. Oh, I imagine. Powerful museum. So if you're ever in Memphis... That is the place to go. We ended up actually going like a couple of days before the memorial because we were on the anniversary of his death. Mm-hmm. So they had a lot of other stuff going on, but it's a yeah. powerful place to go. Yeah. So that was April 4th, 1968, and it was James E. I'm sorry, James Earl Ray who shot him at their Lorraine Hotel. Mm-hmm. Yep. And he, um, he hinted at a conspiracy theory behind behind killing him, but he was tried with withdrew his guilty plea. But he spent the rest of his life in in prison for what he did, mm-hmm. rightfully so. Yeah, Texas. I mean, you could go a couple different ways. I mean, the Texas Killing Fields. We did that, or you yeah. could do um, Andrea Yates. Mm. My, she's looking at me like I'm wrong. No, I you are wrong. But Andrea Yates. That's I mean. I agree. There's so many options I mean, in Texas. It's huge. Yeah, you could yeah. throw a dart and pick one. Right. The Candyman, Dean mm. Carroll. He, he raped and murdered at least 28 male victims. Oh, wow. Enlisting two teenage boys as his accomplices. One of the accomplices, Elmer Wayne Henley Jr., shot him to death while he was, vict- while he was torturing two of his victims. Whoa. But, yeah. Um, the other two are serving life sentences. But that's the one that, that they say is the worst. He was oh. known as the Candy Man because he would lure people in with candy. 
I guess that's why there's the ongoing worry about don't get into a white van with candy. <laughs> Utah. So Utah, I think the only thing I could think of is like the Mormon temple bombings. Yeah, the kidnapping of Elizabeth Smart. Hmm. That is the most Google horrific crime, hmm. according to Google. So Elizabeth Garner, now Gilmore, she's now a child safety activist and commenter for ABC News, which I think is phenomenal for yeah. her to take her pain and what she endured and flip it good. I think that it was, I think that that's amazing. Um, but she was held captive for nine months until she was rescued. She was kidnapped from Sandy, Utah. Wow. Vermont. I have no idea. Maple syrup crime. I don't know. Maple <laughs> syrup killer. I don't, I don't know. The East Middlebury murders. It was 1935. A human skull was discovered by two women picking flowers. Oh, that's They alerted the sheriff, and the search of the area uncovered the remains of three people, a woman and two adolescents. All three had been shot in the head with a thirty-eight caliber bullet, and that was found. Uh, there was bullet casings next to the remains. The bodies have been wrapped in a blanket, and, stri- and a stripped awning was found nearby. The three victims had been killed anywhere from a year to five years before they were discovered. There were at least three persons of interest early in the, in the investigation, although none were definitely connected to the crime. The police officer who led the investigation believed that he had identified the remains as Cora Golden and her two children, but they could find no, no history and nothing of the family. So... They don't know who they were. They don't know who the victims were. They don't know who the bodies were. And they have no idea who did it. That's sad. Right. Can you imagine just like being out picking flowers and finding No. That's like there was a story like six years ago. I'm sure you remember this. Of the people that were digging the mailbox. Yep. To plant their mailbox in like a couple towns over. Yep. And, and they dug bugs. in and found a skull. And yeah. it's because this that's where the old cemetery back like forever used to be. Yeah. And they moved it to a new area. Well, I guess they forgot a few people. Yeah, that would be mortifying. I would piss myself. Oh my gosh. Virginia. I ain't got nothing. The Virginia Tech shooting. I got, yeah, I know that. Okay. This was also a spree shooting that occurred on April 16th of 2007. It was Two attacks on two different locations. It was the Virginia Polytech Institute and the State University. Hang, Shu, Hang Chi Cho was an undergrad. I, I'm just like, I'm not good with names. I apologize for that. He was an undergraduate student at the university and a U.S. resident originally from South Korea. He killed 32 people and wounded 17 under others with two semi-automatic pistols. Wow. Six others were injured, jumping out of windows trying to escape him. Yeah. Awful. Washington. Um, Bundy? Bundy, yeah. He kidnapped, raped, and murdered numerous young women and girls in the 1970s and possibly after, or possibly earlier, sorry. After more than a decade of denials, he finally confessed to 30 murders committed in seven states between 1974 and 1978. His true victim total is unknown, and it's probably significantly higher. Bundy was often regarded as charismatic and handsome. He trait traits that he he used, you know, in his yeah. in his crimes. He typically approached women in public places either by asking them for help 
or faking some sort of a physical impairment. Once tricked into being led away, they would be bludgeoned some, unconscious, and taken elsewhere to be sexually assaulted and killed. He frequently revisited the bodies of those that he abducted, grooming and performing sex acts on their corpse until, until decomposition and destruction by wild animals made it so that he couldn't, like physically couldn't. So gross. Yeah. At least 12 of his victims were decapitated and several heads he kept as mementos in his apartments. Yeah, on just a few occasions, he broke into into homes and bludgeoned his victims while while he slept. Yeah, yeah. West Virginia. Mm, do I know it? I don't know. Okay, give it to me. It would be the murder of Skylar Niece. Oh, I do know this one actually. Yeah, she disappeared from her home in Star City, West Virginia, around midnight on July sixth, two thousand twelve. Her body was found January 16th. Her friends, huh? Is that the yep. right case? Yeah. She was murdered by two of her high school best friends. I know. Sheila, Eddie, bitches. and Rachel. Yep. They stabbed her to death. Yeah. The teens buried, attempted to bury her body, but were unable to, to dig in and get the ground deep enough. So they just put her body there and covered it with tree branches yeah. and just left her. The court transcripts say, though, that other students had overheard those two girls is their plan to do this to her, but they thought that they that she was just joking. So they didn't report it or anything to anybody. They pled guilty to second-degree murder, and they were sentenced to 30 years in prison with the eligibility of parole after 10 years. This one, like, uh, I, for, I, I didn't forget, but, like, I forgot that that's where that was. They are, like, little bitches. Literally, they're horrible freaking people. One of those girls have been her friend since second grade. Yeah. And they brought the other girl in. Like, yeah. Your best friend since second grade lures you out of your house and stabs you to death. Yeah. Yeah. And you're eligible for parole in 10 years? In 10 years. Right. Best friend who that mother cried to you because you're her best friend since second grade. I can't. Don't get me started. Yeah. You're going to get me riled up. Okay, Wisconsin. <laughs> I mean, Get me riled. Um, Ed, Ed Gein. Really? Wisconsin, Samantha? Yeah, Ed Gein. Dahmer is from Wisconsin. Yeah, well, Ed Gein's a serial killer, too. He used to eat people. Oh, really? Yeah, he's a cannibal. I don't even know that name. Dun, dun, dun. He's who inspired, um, like, Hannibal Lecter, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Well, Jeffrey Dahmer ate people, too. Yeah, well, like, did he wear their skin? Oh, Ed Gein that wore your one. skin. That's right. Okay, well, we're going with Dahmer because he is, he is more, he's a, not he's a better serial killer. My serial killer is better than your serial killer. He's also known as the Milwaukee cannibal or the Milwaukee monster. Um, he was a serial killer and sex offender who raped, killed, and dismembered 17 men and boys between 1978 and 1991. Many of his later, later murders involved necrophilia cannibalism and the permanent preservation of body parts either part or all of their skeletal system disgusting disgusting although he was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder schizotypical personality disorder and psych and psychiatric disorders Dahmer was found to be legally sane at the time of his trial he was convicted of 15 of the 16 homicides that he committed 
and was sentenced to 15 terms of life imprisonment. He was later sentenced to a 16th term life imprisonment on additional homicide committed in Ohio. But on November 28th, 1994, he was beaten to death by a fellow inmate. Okay. Eek. Okay, last one. And I'll tell you what, if you don't get this one right, you're disowned. Okay. Wyoming. Matthew Shepard. Matthew Shepard. Um, I knew Matt. Yeah. Um, I grew up with Matt. I went to the same elementary school. I went to the same junior high. I went to the same high school. This boy lived right down the street from me. And let me just say, he was the nicest kid you would ever meet. His mother and father and brother were, they were good people. Yeah. Good people. On the night of October 6th, 1998, Matt, I'm not calling him by his last name. I know him. So I'm going to, I'm going to call him Matt. Matt was approached by Aaron Kinney, Mick Kinney, and Russell Henderson at the Fireside Lounge in Laramie, Wyoming, where the University of Wyoming is, where Matt was going to school. All three men were in their early 20s. McKinney and Henderson offered to give Matt a ride home. They drove to a remote area and proceeded to rob, pistol whip, and torture Matt, trying to, tying him to a barbed wire fence and leaving him to die. Many media reports contained the graphic account of the pistol whipping and his fractured skull. Reports describe how Matt was beaten so brutally that his face was completely covered in blood, except where tears ran down his face. Still tied to the fence, Shepard was in a coma for 18 hours after the attack when he was discovered by, by a guy, a cyclist, who initially mistook Matt for a scarecrow. Reggie Flutie, the first police officer to arrive at the scene, found Shepard still alive but covered in blood. Matt was transported to the, to, um, first to the Memorial Hospital in Laramie, and then he was flown to advanced trauma in Fort Collins. He suffered um, fractures to the back of his head and the front of his right ear. He experienced severe brainstem damage, which affected his body's ability to regulate his heart rate, body temperature, and other vital functions. There were also a dozen small lacerations found around his head, face, and neck. His injuries were deemed too severe for doctors to operate. He never regained consciousness and remained on full life support. While he lay in intensive care in the days following the attack, candlelight vigils obviously were held all around the world, but not more so than in Casper, Wyoming, where this boy is from. He was pronounced dead six days later. <clears throat> he was 21 years old. On April 5th, 1999, Henderson avoided going to trial when he pled guilty to murder and kidnapping. In order to avoid the death penalty, he agreed to testify against McKinley, McKinney and was sentenced by District Court Judge Jeffrey Donnell to two consecutive life terms. McKinney, McKinney is serving two consecutive life, ser- life terms without the possibility of parole. October in Wyoming. Let's describe the weather in October in Wyoming, especially in Laramie, where the wind howls at 
a constant rate of speed of 40 to 60 miles an hour. It is cold, average temperature, freezing, yeah. tied so... to a fence post in the middle of nowhere with the wind and the snow and the weather, beat him, tortured him, and left him to die. Yeah. Well, and before we ever, because I, I knew that you knew Matt. Like, I've known that forever. You and I have talked about that. Because you get very, because you knew him. He was your friend. You yep. play, You grew up with him. I grew up with him. You played played down the street, played ball. We played ball, tennis like, in, a, in the middle of the street every summer all the time. So we, when there's all these documentaries and stories come out where they say, kind of blame Matt for what happened to him and you get so like obviously rightfully so because you knew him these people that say these things don't know him well and and to me it doesn't matter if he it doesn't matter to me what his sexual preference was it doesn't matter to me whether this was drugs or it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter in any of these cases and not just with matt but with anybody it doesn't matter People don't deserve to be treated like this. They don't deserve to live or to die like this. No. And to make it about something other than what it actually is. It, is it two vile humans? Yeah. Right. That are capable of doing this. Their girlfriends were also charged with, with accessory or whatever after the fact, you know, because they took the clothes and they washed them and they, you know, and they got, they got prison sentences too. But. Well, on that same night after they got done brutally attacking Matt, they went back into town and attacked a African American male the same night. Like they were just they were just out for fighting. They, they were just, just wanted out to fight. To, right. So whatever they want to blame and say that Matt was doing, well then it doesn't it doesn't A, it doesn't matter. B then you come in and you do it to another person. So that kind of takes away your justification there, doesn't it? Right. Right. So there it is. There's the top 50 the top 50 crimes in 50 states. I think you did great. Could have been better. Yeah, you look really disappointed. You should see her whole spirit is crushed. You should see her face. You look very sad after. Well. <laughs> One of things, those days. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Stay safe. <laughs>